0: It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. All right, part three of my interview with the New Evangelicals with Tim Whitaker. Here we go. You still drum? I do. So you were like the drummer on the church worship team. Yeah. And then all the drama happened, but you still drum in what context now? So in New Jersey, there's a really professional cover band scene because we have
1: the Jersey Shore, and I got picked up by a management company that they're playing a top 40 cover band. So I'm doing that for the first time. I'm playing music professionally without without any God lingo on top of it. It's like, hey, we're gonna pay you to cover Rihanna. It's, Great, I'm in. I'm totally in. For me, I'm not wrestling with the theology of it. Oh, is this what church is supposed to be? Is this too? Is this too showy? I'm not thinking about that because I'm in the entertainment industry in in this way. You know, it's not talking about the, the, these categories. Yeah. So for me, it's great. It, it's a great way to let, let off some steam and make a little bit of side money. So I'll play casinos. We could be playing bars. I could be traveling to Maryland to play some larger places. So my schedule would probably be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, playing from like anywhere from eight to one a.m. or ten to two a.m. That's just how it goes, man. Wow. It's just it's that kind of scene. It's not my scene. You know, it's a total party scene but playing music and hanging out with people and and being in places where no one knows what i do right yeah. like i like trying to tell my bandmates that i'm in like this evangelical deconstruction space i sound like a total fool because they have no context for it right. right and so it's actually nice to kind of just have that other part of me that that creative side have an outlet where i can just be me and i can say fuck and i can drink a beer and not be worried about you know me being judged for does that make sense yeah totally so for me it's actually it's actually been a godsend really to have this happen to me uh right after everything kind of fell apart it's been great so ten
0: thousand dms in a year is a lot
1: that's what we estimate yeah i mean we estimate we get about we get maybe about 200 dms a day we would average between you know 50 to 200 dms a day you know so we figured if you kind of average them out roughly ten thousand total
0: Okay, so with these DMs that are coming at you, if you looked at the year, just took a step back and looked at all the DMs that came in, what is the average type of DM you guys are receiving?
1: When it comes to just like general, you know, hey, what's your story? We get a lot of those like, hey, here's what happened to me or we get, hey, the work you're doing is so helpful. Thank you for it. So we get, we get a lot of encouragement, very little trolls, very little, you know. Of those people um and we're able to disarm that pretty quick all you do is send an audio message it's instant disarming uh once they hear your voice and they know that there's a human on the, on the other side of this they, they're not as quick to be an asshole, really also i think that that the fact that i'm a white male gives you an extra kind of privilege too. Because I have friends in this space who are, either, who are either women of color or just women, and they've gotten death threats. I mean, some of the messages that that, that they get, they've been doxxed. So there's certainly a privilege I have being a white male in these spaces. I've had people block other people, then, then I reach out to them and they respond super kind. I mean, it's there's definitely a bias there for sure. You hear about this and you start hearing the stories from friends that you trust who wouldn't bullshit you. You're like wow, this is this is really happening. This is crazy. If
0: someone were listening to you and they categorize you as a Christian, yeah. If they had to place you in a an existing denomination, where do you think you would likely be placed?
1: Non-denominational.
0: Oh my god. <laughs>
1: How's that? I honestly couldn't answer that. If we ever got back in church, which I'm sure at some point we will, we're thinking more mainline. You know, Episcopalian, something like that, probably. You know, a little more progressive as far as its theology, which progressive really is just we take Jesus seriously. I mean, this isn't radical stuff, you know, Um, but i probably more in in that space. What would be your
0: motivation for going back?
1: If I went back to like a main line, it would just be to be part of something bigger than myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, Episcopalian, Anglican, they're attached to the church calendar. There's a there's a rich connection, you know, to the tradition uh white evangelicalism really is sterile in that sense even eucharist taking eucharist every week instead of just every now and then and taking it communally there's some beautiful liturgy that is in these spaces right there's things to meditate on there's other practices that i never learned Con- contemplation, right? Praying in, in different ways than treating Jesus as a genie to answer your prayer. So mm-hmm. I think it should be a way of being exposed to a different way of viewing things that maybe I was taught to view one way, and, and having a different exposure to them that made me embrace the mysticism a, l- a little bit more of of my own faith and putting everything into nice, neat categories and boxes.
0: You categorize your wife as more mystical. Yeah. And then astrology came up as like one of the symptoms of that. I'm curious, what is it about her that you are experiencing or witnessing or whatever that makes the word mystic come up?
1: I mean, she's been using that term. You know, like, like she's like, yeah, I think I'm a little more mystic agnostic. Jesus is in there somewhere. You know, She, she's a pastor's kid. Honestly, my father-in-law has come so far and he's great. Our in-laws, my in-laws are great. We love them to death. So it's not like she had some crazy traumatic childhood or her father was an abuser. Not at all. She grew up kind of fundamentalist, right? Like sat in front of the fireplace. Hey, if you don't believe this one day you can end up in a fire kind of thing. Right. So I think that she's just very much like, I wish I was lying to you about that story, but it is true. Honestly, she tells me this. She's like, "Listen, I am pregnant. I have. We have a 19-month-old. I'm not thinking about this stuff. Like, I'm not asking the question. It's compartmentalized. It's put away.
0: How are your parents <laughs> feeling about what you're doing?
1: They don't know what i do they don't really understand what i do um, like they don't
0: understand they don't want to or they don't they don't know what you do
1: they don't understand they don't want to so yeah let me preface by saying my parents are really great human beings. yeah and that right. needs to be said okay Yeah, yeah um, sure. they have a great marriage i was never abused ever my my parents were great my dad's a hard worker started his own construction company you know worked his ass off for the family so certainly no complaints there um, my dad came from a very traumatic family, you know, alcoholism runs rampant in his side of the family. He's overcome a lot. He got saved when he was 18 on the same path as his family. And, you know, meeting Jesus changed them from kind of one extreme to the other, which being now 33, I I, I have more empathy for that maybe I did did even five years ago right yeah. so my, my mom now is a very big uh, Joel Osteen kind of person that's where she yeah yeah I know she's just very positive and you know you just keep praying and it's, it's gonna happen for you kind of thing so they mean well and again they got saved later in life and they just don't really understand my critique they don't understand why I'm so negative um they don't understand the racism stuff like they're very they're very much um the embodiment of what we talked about right with people who maybe are kind of ignorant of like their own heritage. Right. And maybe don't want to face it because it's it it kind of hits too much at like their core because religion does form a a mental identity. Right. So when you start poking at at your religious, your religious identity, you're really poking at like who you are as a person, which can be very unsettling. Very much. so As we I'm sure, you know, as well as I do. Yeah. (laughs) okay so we're on the same page there. Right. So I, I really get it. But when it comes to the work that I do, they don't really want to know. We don't talk about it. My dad is very much a Trump supporter. He was at the insurrection on the 6th. He was not a part of the violence, you know, but he was there to protest with Trump. Like, he went, kind of thing. So talk radio is a big part of my dad's life. Like, that's how he is. We have a we have a good relationship. He's a great grandfather. You know, we 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 get along great, but we don't really engage on these topics um, for both of our own sanity, I think, in relationship. Like, like it came to a point where I I had to pick and choose, right? Am I gonna draw a line and say we can't be in each other's lives anymore? Or do we make space and say, you listen, I'm not, I'm not gonna with I'm not gonna withhold my grandson from or your grandson from you based on your political views, even even if I find them so problematic, right? Mm-hmm. So we just choose to kind of be civil and, and we we get along that way.
0: If I were to ask them, yeah. like if we swapped you out right now and your dad was sitting across from me <laughs> and I asked him, what is Tim doing? What would he say you think?
1: I, I honestly have no idea. I don't know. I don't think he would really be able to articulate whatever he thinks that I do. So I, I don't know what he would say.
0: So now I want to, I guess I'm curious more on the philosophical side of love uh, through my process of just sure. my own personal journey of having to defect from things that I used to like behold hold as. Sacred or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've
0: noticed Christians specifically. Yeah, use the word love, accept, support, but then the demonstration of those words in their actions, their attitudes, their behavior, did not feel like love, acceptance, or support. It felt like other things. But those words were showing up, and they're they're intentionally going out of their way to communicate these things up front. And I'm like, oh, the think the thing that hurts me the most in this space is that you're saying those words and like covering up your motive, maybe even to yourself, but that's absolutely not what I'm experiencing from you. I'm sure you've had to face and deal with and work through that kind of stuff too. I w- we wondered if you had any thoughts on how someone in your seat now views the idea of love versus probably what you used to view when you were in the evangelical world. Totally. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, just to piggyback off what you said, remember when we were talking about Christian nationalism and just like like the code words? It's the same idea. We love you. You're home. It's code. It's conditional upon your sexual orientation, your beliefs. It's conditional upon how much you give, right? Because you know probably as much as I do that once you're out, those friendships don't come looking for you. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm <sighs> sure you felt that. I feel that as well, right? But they, they that that love piece all of a sudden, like you never like, – like I'm sorry, who are you? What do you mean? Like, I thought you loved me. I thought we were a family. You know, when someone dies, usually you circle the wagons and you try, or if someone's lost, usually you call and try and find them. Obviously, we all want to work off of some standard somewhere. And I think I think about you know, first Corinthians 13, the love chapter, very famous. But what if we took those words seriously? What if we really implemented them? You know, and it, it you know, it's patient and kind and good, it doesn't envy, it's not here to boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it doesn't keep record of wrongs, it doesn't delight in evil rejoices with the truth but people would then say well evil that's what we're talking about and I think it's such a twisted thing right it comes back down to how evangelicals view so many of these terms let me ask you this Mike how how old are you I'm 34 okay so I'm 33 so we're like in the same age range right, right. I don't know how you felt but I mean maybe it was two or three years ago where it hit me like wait I'm a grown-ass adult <laughs> I'm not I'm not a youth group kid anymore right, right. I'm, I'm not I'm not 15 and like I should be allowed to make some decisions autonomously without having a pastor breathe down my neck, telling me how to live my life, especially as a freaking volunteer, if, I, if I'm if not breaking the agreements I agreed to, mm. right? So for example, back to my church story, right? I wasn't drinking every night, getting shit faced and posting on Instagram and then leaving worship the next day, right? I wasn't cheating on my wife, right? Like I, I wasn't breaking the rules that I agreed to. I was having the, theological questions and, and that for them, you know, was too far. So for me, love means having a longer, I guess leash we can say of like, hey, Mike, you're an autonomous human being. And I trust that that the divine is inside of you. And I trust that 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 you want to work with the divine to make wise healing decisions. And so even if I don't understand, maybe I'll approach you with curiosity instead of judgment. And maybe if you ask for my perspective and you give me permission and consent, I will give you some of my perspectives, even if we don't see, see things the same way. But that's contingent upon you saying, hey, I would love some of your wisdom here because I'm torn on this. Of course, there are always caveats you know, let's say I was cheating cheating on my wife, right? Maybe at that point you have to smack me in the head and say, you need to tell her right now and like be honest, right? Okay, I I totally understand that, right? Maybe you're hurting someone. I, I get that. We all understand those caveats. But as far as like life decisions that we make about how we live our life or some of these things, man, like I'm just so over trying to be that like gatekeeper. And I've been the gatekeeper. Okay. I've been the accountability partner. I fully admit it. Right. I've had those awkward conversations. Yo, are you masturbating too much? Like when's the last time you looked at porn? You know, let me see your phone. I, I've done all that. And I've been on both ends of that conversation. Right. I'm just kind of at this point, I'm like, guys, we're 33. I trust that if you need help and you're not hurting anyone, you're going to let me know. and, And I'll, I'll speak into this. And maybe last thought, and I'll stop ranting, but if you and I, let's say, Mike, you and I were like BFs, right? Like I've known you since you were 12, right? And, and we go back a long way. I think at that point, there's enough equity that if I saw something in your life that concerned me, you would trust that if I came to you and talked to you about it, the equity is built up where you would say, mm-hmm. I know that Tim is looking out for me, right? A lot of pastors don't have that equity, but, but they pretend that they do right Mm -hmm. a lot of accountability partners pretend that they have that equity but they're not concerned about your life at all they're not calling you to hang out they're not calling you to go to target right they're just calling you when they want to know if you jerked off today honestly i hate to put it so crudely but it's a real thing so i think that's where i I land with a lot of this stuff fascinating
0: (laughs) is it it is (laughs) I'm thinking like big picture of this whole conversation. You as a person, the work you're doing, the journey you're on. Fascinating. You got to tell me why. I mean, you you haven't, and I'm not saying you have to unpack all this, but you haven't
1: said a word about yourself the entire time. And usually interviewers that I talk to tend to do that. Do you want to just explain a little bit of why this is so fascinating? For like, what are you thinking in your
0: head? What, what is happening? I need to know. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I'm not trying not to share. I just have. I could also talk and talk and talk, and I'm not here to talk. I wanted to hear you, right? But I which would, would, I sincerely appreciate, honestly. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, please. For sure. Part of the reason it's fascinating is you don't know any of this, so this is funny, and it's kind of funny. This is like on the you know the back end of the conversation. But so I was at Bethel Church for 12 and a half years up until six months ago wow right in california two years ago a process started so i'm in the i've been in the charismatic stream for a while now i was not raised charismatic i was raised baptist and i was at a non-denominational church for like four years and then i what i would describe i encountered god and then this whole journey took off and i started having very dynamic specific experiences with god that led me on a a journey that landed me at Bethel and went through all this. And then anyway, the short of this is I'm gay. And I knew since I was 10, I didn't come out until a little under two years ago, but I came out because of my relationship with God. Like he told me when I was 18, he wanted me to be this way. And I accepted that I thought, but then continue to live my life as if that wasn't the case because I was in the church and I wanted my leaders to accept me and I wanted to belong and I wanted to adhere to the Bible all the things right and so over the course of the next 14 years he said things to me explicitly he chimed in like interrupted my experience and communicated I want you like this stop trying to change this and I it would be such this emotional you know pit stop of like oh god I forgot that you think this you want this whatever and I'd repent for a moment and then go back to trying to be an acceptable evangelical Christian and then a little under two years ago, just had a series of experiences with the Holy Spirit is how I'd say that, that ultimately culminated in, at the recording of this, it's January, what, 25th? Tim, yeah. you don't know this, literally a week from today, I'm coming out publicly on all of my social platforms. Um, so, which,
1: so you're not public yet? No.
0: <laughs> how are, you, how so are that's, you feeling? Well, I'm feeling all kinds of things. I feel, uh, mostly I feel... Uh, like, torn between anxiety and excitement. Like, I'm so excited. Okay, I, I'm going to cry. I need a tissue here. What? Why are you going to cry? This is so
1: powerful. You would share this part with me. I can't <laughs> believe this is happening. Thank you. <laughs> I, I legit need a fucking tissue. <laughs> okay, whatever. I'll use my sleeve. Dude, I've, I'm just... I'm so moved. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I just... I, I know we're not in the same room, but, like, I feel like, empathetic people, you can just kind of feel when, like, the moment's happening. And, like, I just... I almost want to interview, interview you now for three hours, you know, asking how you're feeling about this because you got to be like feeling so many things.
0: Yeah, you know? for sure. I'm thinking and feeling lots and lots and lots of things. I started, so I've got a series of posts. I started them yesterday. They're posting once a day up until the foreseeable future. And on Tuesday of next week, my video is going to drop. But these stories that I'm posting, it's like a memoir style, are leading up to what's going on? I'm going to drop the video. The memoirs will continue after, but people are already starting to chime in. They're so excited to hear my story. They love how I relate to the Lord, how I, you know, whatever. And I'm getting more and more anxious the more I see their comments because I'm like, what will they be saying in a week from now when my video comes out? And they, you know, they know the truth. And I, uh, I saw there's a lot of nerves there. I, and I've been like, biding my time for this. It feels like I'm going to my own funeral or whatever right and then also there's like a resurrection that gets to happen after this as well and so there's like weird bittersweet contradictory m- emotions at the same time yeah so
1: are you hold on okay i, I and not to hijack the conversation <laughs> right. but, you, but if you don't mind do you have a, but, you, yeah no it's fine can, go ahead you said your company is called Numa. Mm-hmm. is it making like christian content like what do you guys do
0: <laughs> christian content that was probably true for a while and i think it's still true is it video is it audio like yeah what do you do? so that's a good question so Numa. I have a social media presence as Mike Mayashiro, the individual, but I definitely, there's like a a strong overlap between me and Numa. We're almost indistinguishable on some level a little bit. So a big part of my content and brand is the gift of discernment, spiritual discernment. Um, And so then we've got a whole branch of coaching, uh, spiritual discernment, life coaching, basically. Uh, So that's one branch that people definitely engage with us and know us through. But then also I put out a lot of content. I used to teach at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I taught-
1: B-S-S-S-M? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) A lot of S's in there. Yeah, I taught at B-S-S-M, yeah, for
0: five years. And I taught the the class on discernment. And so a lot of people, like my platform started building right before that happened. And then when I started teaching, that became part of my brand or whatever. So that's a big part of NUMA is like the spiritual intelligence piece. And then with me coming out and doing the work that, that entailed and then my whole team having to go on this journey with me or having to bail which was a line of demarcation right that had to happen and we all got to work through it and it was an emotional journey and i wish i would have recorded a lot more of that journey than we had but i should probably start taking notes Anyway, yeah exactly um, people who are left through that process it's not just you know discernment and you know the gospel and whatever we're also getting after now like wanting to Learn ourselves and invite my audience into, hey, you guys, we got some work to do. We have absolutely missed it on several of these things. And we've been indoctrinated to ignore the symptoms of harm and like abuse and oppression and marginalization that we've been party to, that I have been absolutely party to, right? That's part of, I think, why I wanted to bring you into this. I'm like, I'm, oh my gosh, there's so much work to be done and so much learning. So I'm still like on my journey of like consuming that content and trying to like keep my team up and get them. So, so
1: you still identify as a Christian then?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I think in general, broad stroke, yes. But right, there are generally. things I believe and don't believe that Christians would probably then say that I'm not a Christian.
1: I'm sorry I cut you off, I, you know, but it, it, maybe I should get you on my podcast to have this longer conversation. <laughs> but well, my, my last question, then I'll, I'll stop and we can turn right. it back over to me if you right. want. So this isn't, I know that you weren't planning this, but I'm curious now because the way I've been treating this interview is like someone who, you know, I didn't know like where you stood with a lot of this stuff. I just kind of imagined that maybe you weren't a part of any of this stuff anymore, And so the whole supernatural questions now, I'm kind of putting two and two together. So for you as someone who's taught, right, uh, discernment and the Holy Spirit and the supernatural and also the Holy Spirit telling you, you know, hey, you need to come out. How do you interpret all of those things now, post a lot of that, as far as you being in those circles? Like, do you still see it as the Holy Spirit? Is it maybe a different, it was your own inner voice? Like, how do you see that now?
0: I still see those experiences as the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think it's because of, that's how I was trained to perceive and interpret those experiences. Yeah. What I will say, regardless of the vernacular, I don't feel super precious about the vernacular. I don't need to put Holy Spirit on this to know who that person was and what happened. But everything that I know and I understand, Holy Spirit, that's him. That, this is what's happened. It was this person, right? The thing that I have to wrestle through in my process as I'm continuing to unpack and become more self-aware of the things that I was you know, just swimming in that I wasn't even conscious of is... The experiences I've had that I I've tr- done my best to articulate, and part of my coming up process this next Tuesday is going to be the most concentrated and vulnerable hmm. delivery of experiences I've had with God that I've ever published in the public eye ever in my life. So that's like in and of itself its own like vulnerable step. But then also being a gay man in the midst of it is even you know just like hype, like napalm on it. But right, I've had some pretty radical exp- like I grew up very intellectual, right? Just very academic in my approach to the Bible and Christianity. And I was just a militant Christian. I was really good at being Christian, right? Right. When I met God and then every experience I've had with him since it broke those boxes. The first time I met him immediately, it was already like, oh, what we think is going on and who this person is, these are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I knew that right away. I didn't know how to talk about it. I cried a lot. I didn't know how to explain what was happening. And then he just continued to encounter me is the word I would use. And some of them started getting more and more intense and I started feeling more and more exposed and more and more uh, subject to this person than I originally understood. And so because of those experiences, that intensely informs how I go about my own deconstruction process, the things I will let go of, things I'm grabbing onto, things that, you know, whatever, and I'm still like trying to figure out the right language I want to use that feels the most accurate or appropriate. But um, right now, the Holy Spirit.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah, totally. Thanks for asking. This was absolutely not supposed to be part of this interview and that's okay. Um, it's just funny cause like I've got a journey on my podcast of things I need to cover and like explain and walk my audience through before I'm going to be able to publish this interview anyway. So this is going to come out way later. I don't know how, how later, but later. Okay. But we are having in real time this conversation before that's even happened yet. This right. will get published way after that. So I just wanted to tell the audience, like, hey, you guys, just so you know, I didn't cherry pick this guy. I'm not trying to get him to say things to you that I'm saying. No, it's just funny, like the overlap, right? And So it's funny that you're just now realizing this stuff. But I mean, anyway.
1: dare I say, it's a God thing, quote unquote. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, you know, like as you know, I'm, I'm pretty. I don't use that language super often these days, but there's certainly some divine thing that maybe is happening in this moment because it's just, it's just crazy to have you say that based on this conversation so far. It's, it's wild.
0: So I watch your Instagram videos. That's mostly where I see you on Instagram. So you've got your reels that are coming up, right? Yeah. And you've literally at times used verbatim language I've used to try and communicate either to my team or to my audience, yeah, my critique against the system, the institutionalized church. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is this guy like listening to, is he checking out my diary? Like, that's what I'm saying. I said it like that. What You know, so that kind of struck me. I was kind of surprised when I asked you some of the big things that became like your deal breakers for the evangelical space. And your first one was the queer community. I was not expecting that. I was like, whoa, okay, interesting. I was so surprised that that was the first thing that came up. Every interview I do, my podcast is called Confessions of a Reformer, right? And so I love to ask the people I'm interviewing if they have a confession, which I don't even know if this would even apply to you at this point because you've just been so vulnerable in your life in general in processing things that are quote unquote controversial or, or not allowed to talk about or taboo or whatever. But I'm wondering, is there a confession at this point in your journey of like the things you're processing or working through or dealing with or facing in the work you do that you're like, I don't feel confident. I don't know or whatever. I'm not making an, like, a statement here, but this feels like a confession. I think this, I feel this way. I don't think this, I don't feel like this. That feels like, you know, you're stepping into the box with the priest and you're like, Hey, just so you know. This is- <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, honestly, I was, when you. Asking this before we started recording, I was going to say like my Complicity and non-affirming spaces. I I swear to God, that was what I I was going to say. Repentance is a gift to do better. That that's what that is, right? Mm -hmm. So any chance to say that you're sorry and to turn and go the other way is a gift to be able to make the wrongs right. So I I did a real just saying publicly, you know, like my complicity in in non-affirming circles and also being non-affirming myself is problematic. I think one that I was thinking of in this moment that might be kind of different is something that I'm trying to be more aware of and really have to repent for. I think often is when all you know are toxic. Systems, you have to really guard against rebuilding a toxic system that looks a little bit different, right? And I think you can number chase. And I think that it's easy for someone who runs an account with like 30,000 followers, right? You're always kind of number chasing. Oh, this post only had so many likes. Mm-hmm. This thing only had so many comments. This video really hit, this one didn't. And part of that is, is how these systems are set up. It, it's really like, like playing the slot machine, right? They want you to pull the lever to see if you're gonna hit the jackpot. And they, they give you just enough to kind of keep pulling that lever. But I think that something that's important to me that I have to keep at the forefront of my mind and with our team that i work with is that we can never be driven by trying to get more and more and more that is a capitalistic and an evangelical metric right that we have got to lose is it bad to have people who follow you on social media no is it bad to have numerical growth no but when you're when that's your main filter that everything goes through when your day is made or broken over how well your post did right? Or how many responses you had. That's when I think we have a problem. And so that's something that I'm always trying to watch out for is like, we're trying to make content for the community and not for the sake of having more likes or more reshares. You know, even our intern, we have a great intern, Devon, who is from Fuller Theological Seminary. And, you know, he's in a few reels for us. And the first one hit really well. And the second one didn't. He's like, oh, it didn't hit well. I'm like, Devon? This is how it goes, man. Like, you cannot play that game because it is – they want you to play that game, and they want to get inside your head, you know? So I think that's something that I can, you know, confess, you know, is is that I have not always had that mindset, right, Um, in in these spaces. And sometimes I, I have to really fight it, but it's something that, that, that we're working on. Yeah, totally. Love
0: it. That's relatable for sure. That's very <laughs> – very real. Thank you for Tim. In general, thank you for being so transparent and forthcoming and vulnerable. I, I don't know if it gets said. It probably does, I'm sure sh- I'm sure, but um, thanks for being vulnerable just in your work. This is like hard work and you're working against strong old systems and ideologies and attitudes in the people that exist now. Yeah. That is a service to us. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you for doing that, for putting the time and effort and energy and the emotional labor into doing this for those of us who, you know, can't or won't or whatever. Um, what a gift. Thank you so much. We are thankful for what you're doing.
1: Thanks, Mike. It was a great interview. I really enjoyed talking I mean, two hours. <laughs> and honestly, it flew by for me, I, I right? I know. I'm like, Oh God, it's already four. I can't believe I know. I, know. I, <laughs> I appreciate is. it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for being on. And so you guys just, again, to remind you Instagram, TikTok and podcasts, the new evangelicals is Tim's handle. You can find all the work they're doing in those places. So go check them out find ways to support them, you know, listen to what they're doing, the work they're putting out, like super intrigued by what Tim and his team are putting together and just find it to be super helpful. And just like quality work, There's just a, it's thorough and there's just a lot of work and content getting put out by them. So great resource out there, you guys. Thanks for listening, thanks for being here. Man, I just have, I feel like the kindred spirit with Tim. I just think he's such a cool guy and just really respect the work that he's doing and the things that he's just charging ahead with and the way he's calling out the evangelical church. So important, so good. It is the gospel in action. Thank God for Tim and the New Evangelicals. I'm so thankful I got to host this conversation. I hope you guys are exposed to them and you get to pull from their work and be challenged and invited into a deeper level of this conversation. Um, Listen, if you're deconstructing or you need to move into that space or you know that there are conversations you need to have and you need people around you to do this with, which by the way, you guys, Without conversations, we go crazy. We need to be able to talk about these things and work it out and hear other people's perspectives and be challenged and share our concerns and our insecurities and ask those scary questions that we don't want to like look at by ourselves. If that's a space that would be helpful for you, I would highly encourage you to check out the Ashes group that I run. This is a deconstruction space of Christians who have recognized that what we were raised with in our indoctrinated Christian experience is not the gospel is not actually good news for everybody. There's actually been a lot of bias and prejudice and bigotry in what we were raised in and we had to detoxify our theology and separate from a system that has been actually harmful to a lot of people, um, so if that's you, and that's something that you, that's work that you need to be doing, I would highly encourage you check out our ashes mentorship group. You can find the link below um, for that, and then also the new evangelicals handles are going to be down there as well for you guys to check them out. Go give them a follow. Get into this conversation, you guys. Let's reframe what we think the gospel and love and grace and compassion looks like. What justice actually looks like today. We have the ability to know better. Let's do the work. Let's go practice justice and mercy and walk humbly before our God in the world. Thank you for listening to this conversation. I'm excited to have more down the road. You can always email us with the email address below if you have any questions. Uh, Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.